0: be the best. best i want to be the best simple and plain that's why i play the game but to be the best you have to win and that's what, that's what drives welcome back everybody to another episode of the clutch talk podcast slash youtube slash we do it all as always i'm your host john very happy to be here after a crazy game a crazy crazy game my boy jay how you doing
1: doing amazing Six six finals appearances in eight years. Can't get any better than that. Oh nation. Jay. Oh, Jay. Jay goes with nation. <laughs> we here, baby. We oh. here. But I'm excited. But other than that, we just saw a good uh good 48 minutes of, of game seven. That's what it's all about as a as an NBA fan. And and finals are right here, man. That's exciting as a basketball fan. So we got a great guest on to talk about it too.
0: Yes, sir, man. You said it best, man. We got a great, great, great guest, man. We got our guy Garrett from the from the Super Mario Hoops Twenty Four channel, man. Make sure you guys show him some love, my guy Garrett. How you doing, man?
2: Doing pretty good. Um, I mean, as Jay Hill said, just got just got finished watching the insane Game Seven. So, uh, yeah, man. I, I think uh, I'll, I'll have a lot of thoughts on it when we get to it. But uh, yeah, it was it was insane. <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah, sir, man. Like how you guys said, we just seen insane game seven between Celtics and the Heat fought to the last minute until that last buzzer rang, man. And um, gladly the Celtics were able to pull it off here, man. And now the Celtics are advancing onto the NBA Finals for the 22nd time in franchise history. That's honestly insane to think about as well, man. Um, but so let's get into that, guys. Let, let, let's go ahead and talk about that series. And I just, I just want to get you know, Garrett, since you know you're the guest on the show, I want to get your initial thoughts. Um, how, 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 how you've been feeling about the Celtics uh, and the and the Heat throughout this throughout this playoff series? What are some things that you've been seeing? I mean, starting off with, uh, we'll start with Miami. I think
2: throughout the playoffs, to me personally, it never felt like they were. I guess, like, challenged in that way. Um, I mean, they did play Trey Young, who is, I mean, one of the top, probably 15, top 20 players in the league, Um, probably considered a superstar by many or very close to, um, which is not an easy task at all. I think even some people were saying maybe he's the best player in this series. And, you know, they managed to really shut him down, even with their own injuries, like Lowry missed some time, Jimmy Butler missed, like, the last game, and they still, you know, got over that hump. And then I think like the next series too, um, you know, they definitely showed up in a big game six against Philadelphia to close out on Philly's home court. Um, Although of course, Embiid did miss the first two games and then Danny Green went down the last game. So I didn't know how to feel about them. Like coming in, I personally didn't feel, it never felt to me like they were the actual one seed uh, at any point in the playoffs or even the season. Um, And I don't know if maybe part of that is just because like most of the year, like all these other teams were like the one seed. I mean, for a while it was the Nets then like, the Bulls actually held it for a while, and then, you know, the Sixers were up there. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's why, but that's, that's kind of where I was leaning toward for them. And then for the Celtics, um, you know, first half of the year, I thought they were awful. I honestly thought, like, they were going to miss the playoffs, like, for sure. I mean, maybe they could have made the play-in, but I thought they were going to miss the playoffs. And actually, before the season, the way the trend was going for them, I thought they weren't going to be competing at all. And, you know, they kind of turned it around. I think, honestly, that, I don't know if you remember that game when they played the Knicks and R.J. Barrett hit that, like, game winner on them or whatever, like, banked in or something. I feel like that might have been, like, the turning point in their season because I don't know if I've seen a finals team any time recently where they were under 500 halfway through the year. Like, they, I think they were 20 and 21. And they really turned it around. They ended up winning, like, uh, what, 52 games and – Yeah. And then obviously taking on who most people call the best player in the world, Kevin Durant basically shut him down. And maybe what might be his worst series ever Kyrie as well outside of game one, then they go into Milwaukee, albeit they didn't have Middleton, but it's like, you're still playing against another guy who has consideration as maybe the best player in the world. And then the Miami heat who, although maybe they don't do much offensively, that's like flashy or outgoing. They still have one of the best defenses coaches and some of the best ball movement in the league. And they just got over them as well. So, I mean, now they're going to the finals. So that's kind of like where I was sitting with them. I think like my turning point for the Celtics came a little bit right before the playoffs and like, okay, they're a legit team. Um, I personally didn't even think they could pass the net. So in the first round, I thought like they would turn it up. So I am a bit surprised that they actually are going uh, to the finals. That's where I was standing on both these teams though, like prior to this series.
0: Absolutely, man, and I mean, I, I think me and Jay, I think I can speak for both me and Jay when 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 we say, man, we we agree with you with the fact of um, with the fact of my, Miami. We, it didn't really look like they had, you know, uh, they were a uh, real solidified number one seed uh, throughout the throughout the season. Me and Jay often said on the podcast, they just didn't really have. A, a superstar, a go-to guy. And I know, you know, some some, some Heat fans may come on here and be like, Well, we w- you seen what just Jimmy did. And and yes, I agree, Jimmy has turned up in the playoffs, but this wasn't the Jimmy we were seeing in the regular season. So we that that we were just going off, off what we seen, and they've just never looked like that true number one seed. So I'm 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 definitely right there with you with that. And then um, and then also I think I also speak for me and Jay on this one as well. We we also agree with you with the fact that. The, the Heat really had a cakewalk, and we we actually even said it prior to uh, to them playing the, the the Celtics, or when the Celtics were playing the Bucs, We said whether the Heat have to play the Celtics or the Bucs, I really want to see that because they haven't yet played a real competition, a real uh, a real team. And yes, Trey Young. Could have been to be the best player in that series, but no, John Collins, no Clint Capella. Like that team wasn't ready for 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 a Miami Heat team. Um, but but I mean, I, I'm I'm de- definitely right there with you with everything you said on the Heat, Jay. I want to I want to you know get you in here, Jay and and see what you what you what do you what do you feel about all that that like Garrett said and just this series.
1: Yeah, this series was number one. uh, up until about Game Five, Game Six, I felt like the the Celtics were in control of this series. Um, there there was times that the that, that, that really looked like the Heat couldn't get anything going offensively. Uh, it was a defensive battle, but just in terms of I look at the Celtics as a team one through seven, who's just so versatile, can almost guard every position on the floor. The Heat, while they do have a good system, I just don't think they had the weapons um, to match up in this series. That's what we had talked about uh, previously when we saw this, these two. We saw these two teams were going to match up. And that's exactly what happened down the stretch of the games when when the Celtics had number one, Jason Tatum, to go to. They had Jalen Brown as well as Marcus Smart. As streaky as he is, uh, those three. Kind of penetrating guards who are able to create their own shot at times. Obviously, Jason uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown being on an, on another level compared to Marcus Smart. I mean, boy, was he—he he almost was the reason the Heat were able to come back in that. But just just in terms of it was a series of who had more. Uh, more weapons in, in that battle because it was a defensive battle. I, we looked at that matchup early on. We knew those are two teams who pride themselves on defense, but it's clear that the Celtics um, defenses was superior and they were able to get stops when it mattered most. And then they had, they had more shot makers. We talk about shooters and shot makers, Boston Celtics have two of, of elite um, shot makers and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. When the play breaks down, you know you can go to both of those guys and they're able to create their shot and hit tough shots. As well as you look at on the Heat, they only have Jim, Jimmy Butler realistically. We saw Max Struess and, and and those guys come up with big shots, but I'm talking about a guy you can rely on, create his own shots. Um, and then obviously Tyler Hero being out, but he's a pylon defensively, so you're giving up that. Um, obviously wasn't able to play these last, but yeah, I, I, at the end of it, it came down to who was making stops, who was making shots the in this game. And it, it was, uh, it was, it was the Celtics, you know, a couple questionable calls that three taken away, um, uh, for Max Schroes. It could have been a one point game. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know you could take away threes that late in late. Um, but you want to, you go to, to refs and, and that sort of thing. Um, but just an extremely interesting series. Um, long story short, um, back and forth. The Celtics I thought could have won in five games, maybe even four. Um, but but credit to the Heat with, with with lot not a lot of weapons, they were able to bring it to seven. Man, I think that's a win in itself. To be honest,
0: man. I mean, like like how we all said, just a, gr- a gritty def- great de- uh, great defensive series and now now we know that the Celtics you know are moving on to 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 play the warriors so you know I thought to myself, you know there we don't need to talk about the ins and outs and stuff about the heat because I mean you know we know the heat going home so I got some questions here I just want to talk about with you guys and you know if you guys want to dive in any deeper on some of these topics then you know feel free. Um, but I guess we'll just we start off with this one right here. So who to you in this series had the most impressive performance? Um, so if you, if you guys need a quick second to think about that. Um, I could I could go ahead and run off mine real quick and for me that would be uh, Jalen Brown game three just for me be, being that perfect Robin uh, it was it was his, it was a playoff career high he had 40 points nine rebounds shot 70 from the, percent from the three-point line 75 from from the free throw line I know he lost I, I know that uh, that that he had like also eight turnovers that game like seven or eight turnovers but to me what was big was the fact that you're the second best player, and when Jason Tatum, the guy who's supposed to deliver, doesn't show up, what do you do? You show up and 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 you you, you try to be that Robin, and they only they only lost by a bit, man. <laughs> you know, but I just I gotta give the uh, big credits and big ups to um, to Jalen Brown in that game three. So I don't know who, if if, uh, if you guys got got that game ready pulled up here. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know if you want to go first, Jay <laughs>
1: I mean, you're talking about playoff, the best performance that we we felt. Is that what your question
0: is? Yeah, in this series so far, in this series.
1: Yeah. uh, Jimmy Butler, 47 points. This might be the mainstream. 47 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, 4 steals, 16 for 29 from the field, 4 for 8. From the three-point line in 46 minutes, played pretty much the whole game. I mean, I, I don't think it gets much better than that. In a closeout game in Boston, they needed someone. It felt at times no one else could get put the put the ball in the, in the hole. So that 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 just in itself, I mean, you, I, I personally, everyone you saw Draymond, all these guys counted the heat out. Um, I know John. We picked the the Celtics in in six, so. That performance, unbelievable. Um, but you expect those kind of performance from Jimmy Butler. He did realistically the same thing tonight. Wasn't able to come up with that three. But that game six Butler, for me, was uh, was quite a performance.
2: Yeah, I think personally for me, and I'll, I guess like a few games, but primarily the same game six on the Celtics side. Um, I know they did lose, but I thought it was Derek White I mean, the guy kind of came out of the blue and it, honestly it was kind of similar. I thought like, I kept saying like, I feel like I'm watching a rewind of the 2019 playoffs and Fred Van Vliet because this guy, the first two rounds of the playoffs, like he was abysmal, right? I think he was shooting like 34%, barely getting any run, playing like getting like six or seven points a game. Well, like in the last four games, he averaged like 15 a game and he had a huge game six. He was huge in uh, I believe game five as well. Um, like, I think he scored in double digit. I think he was averaging, like, 16 or 17 before tonight. Um, and even the last two or three games, he was making hustle plays like crazy. Um, but just like Fred Van Vliet in 2019, like, he had a kid in, at the, on the mm-hmm. day of game two, and then it all turned around. And then I thought it was even more ironic, like, today when, like, he got hit in the face and he had to, they, they said, like, he, they had to, like, get him, like, treated or whatever. Like, just like Fred Van Vliet in the <laughs> finals of that year. I'm like, dude, this is, this is looking so weird. But that's what I saw. And honestly, I feel like maybe if Derek White doesn't have that resurgence after missing game two, I don't. maybe the Celtics don't get out of this series. I mean, after all, like tonight was very close. I know we only had eight points, but that's the swing in the Celtics winning as opposed to the Heat winning and moving on to the
0: finals. Absolutely, man. Derek White came up big. We, we, we always talk about, um, you know, uh, how, how role players in in the playoffs, this is where, this is where, you know, they, they, they have a chance to make a difference and swing games, man, swing games and swing series. But, um, all right, so then I'm gonna push it to my next question when I kind of, you know, as I asked this first one, and as I, you know, got your guys' answer, you could, you could kind of, you know, mess these two, because the first one was, who had the most impressive performance? And now I was going to ask who had the most important performance. And then that's where I would say my my Jay's answer for that last one And Jimmy Butler. Uh, Jay said it all. That 47 points and a closeout game in the TD Garden, man, to keep them alive has to be the most uh, important, important, important performance. Um, reminds me a lot of uh, uh, Old Goat James back in uh, 2012, game six in a TD Garden of uh, 45 points on 73%. From the field, fifteen rebounds to advance to the finals, man. So these uh these great Celtics perform, I mean these great performance in the Celtics uh, home arena definitely uh, feel good and ring home. But uh who to you guys? If it's not the same answer, if, uh, I don't know if Jay, I don't know if you at yours is the same answer, and Garrett, I don't know if you got Derek White for the most important or not. But who do you guys got?
2: Yeah, um, I I mean I would probably have to agree honestly. Like I think Jimmy Butler played at a different level for majority of the series. I know he had a few games where, you know, he kind of wasn't looking like himself, but I don't think anyone really like, I guess, peaked higher um, than Jimmy Butler game one, game six. And then tonight, um, you know, I don't, I think maybe he will get some criticism for the way he closed the game tonight, which um, I think should kind of be a little bit warranted, but it's hard. Like when, you know, his team, like most of the series, wasn't doing much. I mean, outside of, I think Oladipo played probably better than people expected him to uh, most of the series. And he was one of their elite defenders. Um, Of course you got, I think Max Struess had, he was big early in the series. PJ Tucker always makes winning plays, but I think just Bam was a little too inconsistent. Kyle Lowry, um, you know, obviously Tyler Hero Hero going down hurts them. And then Duncan Robinson. I mean, that's, that's kind of a whole like situation, like with the, kind of the coaching staff. It's like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Like, he played pretty good the, the one game, and then he got big minutes, I think, last game, and then tonight he didn't even play at all. So, I don't know. I thought that um, it was hard for what maybe, like, was around Jimmy. So, I think the fact – and, I mean, I've seen him, you know, come through on these occasions before when he was with my Bulls. So, like, he's – he's I wouldn't put him in a, cl- in a classification with these other guys that people – love to, um, I guess bash or whatever, like for not showing up in the playoffs. Like you've seen Harden get it. You've seen Chris Paul get it. Westbrook get it. Like, so just because he doesn't, you know, win the championship this year, doesn't like, I guess, be on top of the mountain per se. Um, I wouldn't necessarily like fault him for that. I think in this series, he definitely, um, was, as he said last year, and we kind of got jokes for it stupidly locked in, um, (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, that that's it's hard, like, honestly. I think he was a leading scorer in the series as well. So I'd probably have to say Jimmy Butler. Um, but again, you know, Jason Tatum, Eastern Conference Finals MVP. So it's hard to I guess take away from what he was doing as well. And you know, early on in the series he was playing pretty good, so there is that uh additionally.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like Jimmy. Almost every year, consistently, it's like he—I don't know—like he, like you said, Garrett. If he's saving something in the tank during the regular season, you know, he, he's he's waiting because he knows he got to preserve his body. And yeah, he we we saw this in Chicago, we saw this in Minnesota at times, although that that short was that uh, stint was short, um, and then in, in Philly as well. And then he, he does—he always shows up in the big moments. So this is nothing new to Jimmy. But I'm gonna play a little. Devil's advocate are, are kind of on the flip side to an important and necessary performance. And that's all the way back to game three, a game that, you know, we saw all the turnovers from Boston, but someone needed to come up big because Jimmy, the guy we're talking about, you know, he missed the whole second half in that game and who came up big who uh, who also had a big night tonight um kind of on the lows but just making play after play not extremely nice finishes and that was bam out of bio man 50 for 15 for 22 in that game and and game 3 31 points plus 17 10 boards just the uh, aggressive bam they needed throughout that this series where they only got that performance really in two games and that's offensively and and I mean it is tough he's going up against two bigs two great defensive bigs two physical bigs you know they obviously Robert Williams is in and out of the lineup but Al Horford a, a dude who's we see we saw the numbers the statistics who's been to 141 playoff games now finally get uh, finally gets his chance to play in the NBA finals. But this is a dude who's been there and done that multiple times, just has not been to the finals. So he knows what it takes uh, to win games in the playoffs. And finally, shout out Al Horford, by the way, to get in, finally getting his chance to play in the finals because that's a lot of work that goes into it. But they're a bio game three to answer that question. Important game when they needed it the most, especially still in that game um, on the road in Boston going up 2-1. That was a huge win um, at the time. So, so tonight, bam, and then game three, that 31 uh, point double double there in game three is bam.
0: I, I love that, Jay. And that honestly tra- tra- transitions us, Jay, right into my next question that I, that, that I got for you guys. And I mean, I wrote this up prior to this game. So, I guess just think of it in the way I'm going to say it in past tense. But, um, do you guys uh, agree or disagree with, uh, with this statement? So, for the Heat to win, Jimmy Butler. Has to be the go-to guy instead of Bam. Do you agree or disagree, or do you think that Bam should be should have been the go-to guy, and the Heat would have had more success? What are you guys feeling about this? I mean, I I feel like personally, I don't know if
2: you can even win with either of them being the go-to guy, <laughs> um, and, and that's not like disrespect. I think you'll have more success if you're, if Jimmy is the go-to guy. Uh, I guess if I had to pick between the two, but. I mean, personally, like, I mean, Jimmy is kind of a jack-of-all-trades type of player. That's who he's always been. But I don't think of him as, like, a primary scorer. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like every single series, there's probably going to be at least someone on the other team who is a more, like, productive, proactive scorer or something like that. Um, so, I don't know if Jimmy can be that number one guy. And there's few, ex- there's few exceptions in NBA history. Like, I'm sure, like, the 2004 Pistons would have a word with that but how often do those teams win as opposed to having like an elite 25 plus point per game regular season score one of maybe the top five players in the league and you know jimmy is great bam is great but neither of them are that so i don't know what they'd have to do i know there's already rumors circulating that maybe they need to get donovan mitchell who he would be one of the probably in terms of the playoffs he is probably a top five scorer in the nba right now i think he's sixth or seventh all-time in playoff points per game like in NBA history so maybe that would help move the needle but I just don't know if like where they're at right now like that would be the move you also got to consider like this Heat team I mean obviously they have some free agents and obviously they have kind of like an older squad than some of these other like young teams coming in so it'll be something to consider but I guess yeah. To answer your question, I don't know if you can with either of them, but if I had to pick, I guess I'd probably pick Jimmy for the best results.
1: Yeah, for I agree completely with Garrett. It's it's the answer. The answer is smart answers. Neither, Um, but if I had to pick one, it's Jimmy. And I do think they need a primary scorer to, to allow simply to allow Jimmy to do what he does best, and that's being a two way stopper. Um, can score so so elite um, at the mid range um, with that mid range game, but I, I just think he's not what you call a true three level scorer, and especially in today's game. I mean, we saw you got a superstar, you got maybe a Donovan Mitchell to take that three at the end of the game. Maybe he knocks that down because he's just a proven three point shooter. But it's not Jimmy Butler. I personally think that that was a wrong decision. You know, you heard um, Steve Steve Jeff Van Gundy who. I just have to add, fellas, the dude sounded sick as a bat. <laughs> like he, he was clearly sick. I'm surprised they had him on the telecast. The dude just sounded bad. I Maybe mean, I he, hope called, he gets uh, better. What
2: Mike? What Mike Breen? You know, obviously Mike Breen wasn't available today because yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe they were <laughs> hanging out a little.
1: <laughs> he sounded bad, anyways. <laughs> To to I, I, you 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 both you guys both noticed that <laughs> I, has, I, I honestly just, didn't I
0: even notice it.
2: that honestly until now. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> whenever whenever Jeff Van Gundy talks, I kind of just zone out because he's just like <laughs> nah, not 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 entertaining. Them. <laughs>
1: you
0: guys are losers.
1: Nah, but I mean, I clearly heard that. Anyways, I just had to, had to throw that in, but um, it, it's 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 neither. But but you need to, like you said, a twenty five point per game score. You throw them into the mix allow both of those guys to be the, the second, third option, not the primary option. And I think the Heat are built to, built to win um, if they they add that primary score, like a Donovan Mitchell, who's not the best um, often, uh, defensively um, gets targeted, but you have Jimmy, you have Bam, you have those supplemental defenders around him. Um, like, like you see these other teams who are successful. And, and I think they, they, they have that roster in place. Um,
2: If if I were to like, just, just add something. And so like when they made the finals, like two years ago in the bubble, um, the, in the Eastern conference finals, like Jimmy was like their fourth leading scorer in that series behind Bam, Drogic and Hero. And Bam like was their leading scorer. Um, That was like when they played Boston too. Now, granted that's, not when Boston had Al Horford and Robert Williams, wasn't he, was he is today neither was Grant Williams. So maybe there's that, but for most of that playoff run up until the finals, I believe Drogic was their leading scorer. So, you know, I, and I think obviously like that, that's the closest they've been to a championship. So I don't know if even a player, probably like, like we said, like Donovan Mitchell or something. I mean, he's no offense to Drogic, but Donovan Mitchell's like on another level than Goran Drogic. So if you add a player like him, Maybe that would be enough to get him over the hump and let Jimmy play, you know, kind of like the jack of all trades type of player, you know, an elite defender who could lock up, an elite playmaker, um, but just not the guy we think of like as an elite scorer. And same thing, I guess, with Bam. Um, But yeah
0: yeah definitely man I mean it's just it's just starting to seem like uh Jimmy Butler's starting to fall into that 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 Jeremy grant thing where it's like Jeremy Grant was this great glorified role player in Denver who was like wow like he can really be that piece that you know gets you there and then a team like Detroit tries to take a gamble on him tries to make him as your number one option number one guy and does that does not work out at all. I think that that's you know what's going on in Jimmy's situation. he was a great um like how you like how you mentioned gary you know maybe he's you know a second or third to even, maybe maybe even fourth option but as your number one guy uh probably just not gonna go um but and then you know you you guys talk about the, the, the offensive production and by the way if the heat got donovan mitchell like which i said a couple i like a couple episodes ago i said watch the heat get donovan mitchell in the offseason is gonna be crazy so if that happens just i need to run that back because that'll be crazy and that'll be great for them but Offensive reduction, that's exactly where I, where I want to ask my question to you guys. That shot by Jimmy Butler, Jay, you bought it up. You said, uh, said that Jeff Mangani said it wasn't the greatest shot. And I, while I agree to a certain extent, you know, Jimmy Butler shooting, I think, like 29% of the three-point line, why is he taking that shot? That was a wide-open three. Al Horford was sinking back. What are you guys – how are you guys feeling? Are you guys trying to play the percentages, or do you want the better shooter to take that, or are you okay with Jimmy Butler taking an open shot? Um, yeah, I said, I mean, I was watching the game with uh, my dad as well, and I
2: even said, like, as he took it, I'm like, why Why would you take that shot? I, I didn't understand it at all, um, because maybe, yeah, maybe you could get away with it if you're Steph Curry, but, I mean, playing the percentages, I think, like you just said, so, I mean, Jimmy is way better attacking the basket, trying to draw a foul, which... In that situation, I don't even know if Boston would have wanted the foul because why would they want to maybe get an and-one and then they'd be down in that situation? They might have just let him have the layup. Obviously, Horford was backpedaling. So I think, honestly, he should have went to the basket. And if you think back, you know, they showed before the game, Jimmy Butler's been in three game sevens. This is the third one. The first one was 2013 with my Bulls against the Nets. And the last one, everyone remembers that one. It was when Kawhi hit that shot. But what they might not remember is, is before that, the Raptors were one, Kawhi hits the first free throw, misses the second, and Jimmy Butler got the ball, and what did he do? He went all the way to the basket, and he attacked, and he made a layup and tied the game. Mm -hmm. So, I I don't understand why he didn't go to the basket. He could have done the same thing, but with 17 seconds left in the game, you just got to go downhill and attack the basket, play the foul game. You can't be taking, like, a pull-up open three like that, especially because tonight he wasn't shooting three. Like – Last game, he was shooting way better than this. Like, tonight, he was 25% from three, which he's never been a great three-point shooter. I think last year, among people that qualified, he was actually the worst in the league from three-point range. So, this is not who Jimmy Butler is. I didn't understand that shot, and that, that's where I stand on it, personally. I think he could have got a layup or drew a foul. I mean, he was pretty good at drawing fouls again tonight. Uh, he got 11 free throws, so I didn't understand it at all, personally.
0: Jay, what, the Collegian Hooper, what's up, Jay? What, what, what was that a good shot? Yeah, I was. I was just
1: thinking about that from a from a bat from a player standpoint, and and riding, knowing momentum and things like me and my playing days. Am I taking that shot? Absolutely. I'm pulling up in transition, but but in the fact, and I, and I think of it as a play as a player too. and the fact that Jimmy's he feels the crowd, he knows what's going into that shot. He, his his team just went on that huge little mini run. Max Struess, I believe, had just hit that three to get get it within one or two at that at that time. Oh, yeah, within two. Yeah, um, was was in two, and they would have taken the lead. So I, I think just through his head, in 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 that sense, it's a good it's a good shot. Like you're you knock that shot down, and it's your best player taking it. You live with it. Is it a great shot? No. Do I think he should have gotten to the the head like? like Garrett said, and from an analytical standpoint um, and what he does best. Yes. But I get it from just a player's perspective. You hear that home crowd. If you hit that dagger, man, you go up one. I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know if Boston's coming back from that. You, you, know, you gave up that mini run so late in the game. Marcus smart had missed all those threes. They had been giving him those, I think but three straight possessions. They gave him wide open threes and brick after brick after brick from Marcus smart. But um, I think from a player's standpoint, you got to take that shot if you're, if you're Jimmy Butler. Um, should he have gotten to the wrong? Yeah. I think, absolutely.
2: though, too, the other thing, like, to add to that, though, is, like, even if they did, like, even if he did drive to the basket and he scored either a layup or got fouled and made both free throws, mm-hmm. like, that would put enough pressure, I think, on Boston. Because not only did they not take the lead, like, at all, in the game, they hadn't tied it since it was 0-0, mm-hmm. right? And if it went to overtime – you can imagine how like how much like the Celtics would be like sweating and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, like, you know, and the heat would have all the momentum going into overtime. So they very well still could have pulled it out, I think, personally. So it didn't make sense to me. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah. You, you, you know, Garrett, like I, now that, you know, the moment's over, we're calming down and we're talking about it. That is true. You know, I do I do think to myself, you know, that was 17 seconds on the clock. Maybe you could maybe you could have got a better shot. But I'm to be real with you, more leaning on the side that 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 Jay is coming from. And that's just the side of, I mean, he's got 35 points. He's feeling it. He's coming down court. And again, my Al Horford is dropping to the hoop like and I get it he's not a good shooter he was he was shot one for four that night but I mean but I mean you got to take that like the the way I see is is you got to take that like there was there was nobody there was nobody around him he's coming down court and he's he's the the leading scorer of the team so I think that in that moment yes I you know you really want to play the percentage and I'll be real with you Garrett like the, the more you talk and like the more analytic I think to myself like man you're right, that was 17 seconds. But then I think in the moment, right? Like you got 35 points. It's 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 an open shot. It it's just it's a pull up. And if you hit it, yes, yeah, over. Game. No way the Celtics come back from that. I just yeah, think you're not like,
1: thinking like that. You you're, I just
2: think like how though, like he you know, he did do that, like where he did take it to the basket before, like in, in his last game seven, and it worked. The only thing that didn't work was the most impossible shot result by Kawhi Leonard happened right after it, right? Yeah. Like, that that can't even, you can't, you could shoot that shot a thousand times. It'll never happen again, right? So, I think, like, that's how I'm thinking of it. Like, that worked toward him. And a lot of people say if that game went to overtime, like, maybe the Sixers would have won that game, right? So, I I don't know. I just think that the three was kind of unnecessary. He wasn't shooting well tonight. Like, last game, maybe you can make a better argument for it. But tonight, he wasn't feeling it. And historically, he hasn't been feeling it, especially like
0: ever since he's been in Miami. So I don't know. That's just where I come from. If a teammate of yours shot that, Jay, and he's got 35, but he's not the greatest shooter. How are you feeling after the game, Jay? You're living with that. We said we'll okay. live with that. Okay. We'll live okay. With that okay. All, all right.
1: day long. <laughs> and you especially at home. You, you and, and the difference, too, between I know, Garrett, they're on the road, too. So you're you're trying to get mm-hmm. a quick bucket, silence the crowd like that. But at home, you got to think about it. Like you hear that crowd, you hear yeah. the roar. You want to hear the roar of the crowd after that dagger. You you, you, you <laughs> just think of I'm thinking of it from a player standpoint, so I can understand why he took it. Was it from an analytical point? What Was it a good shot? No. But you're not thinking like that in the heat of the moment in game seven in that moment 35 you're the you're the guy you're jimmy butler at the end of the day you're taking Man. that shot okay so what i would say to that though is like i mean obviously
2: you were going on about how how it would change the momentum and i agree but would you say you would allow like julius randall to take that shot or john morant if like, he's got
0: 35
2: example? really so okay yeah, I personally I'm, still would not. I, I would say attack the basket because those are guys that are much better at attacking the basket than shooting a three-point shot. And especially because like both those guys shoot better from three than Jimmy Butler. So I just wanted to see what you guys would say about that.
1: Yeah, let me, let me, let me. Um, my answer is, should he have taken to the hole? Absolutely, yes. That's the smart play. But I get why in the moment he took that shot. That the the let me just clarify what I'm saying about that. Like why he took it as a player, the momentum. He hears the crowd. He took that shot, and I understand why. But the right play is definitely to get to the down down the lane and get to the hole.
2: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, and and I and I agree. That is why he um, took the shot. I mean, otherwise, like if if he knew, like yeah, maybe the crowd could have got more into it. But like if they were mm-hmm. down, like or if they were. I don't even know, like say they're up like four and there was like a minute left. Like he's not going to just pull a transition three or something like that for momentum purposes. Like Mm -hmm. he would dribble it out or he'd attack the basket or something like that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's just what I'm saying. Like, I think the best play would have been to just attack uh, the basket, especially because like, you know, he's I think honestly, like a lot of people were saying in this playoffs, like. He has the best whistle in the league. People were saying he he has a better whistle than Harden nowadays. Um, So I I feel like he could have maybe drawn a foul on Horford. I think Horford had, like, four anyways, so he might not have, like, been trying to. Like, he had four or five. um, Mm -hmm. Oh, he had four. So that would have been his fifth foul. Um, And if it did go to overtime, like, I'm sure he probably – like, that's another five minutes. Then he'd have to play,
0: like, the whole overtime out there, like, kind of safe. You know what I mean? So, Man, I mean – it's it's crazy. It's crazy because you know, like now you know, there's there's two sides So it. You know, that there's a side that me and Jay are thinking it's a good shot. There's a side, you know, Garrett or a lot of a lot of other people out there saying it's not a good shot. But what's just crazy to me is just. You know how the smallest thing could could could, could flip it because like man jimmy butler would have hit that everybody all over every sportscaster would have been talking about jimmy butler's the most clutch player left They'd hey, going man, it's just like the durant thing last year when he had his foot on the line right absolutely so. mm-hmm. and i i i think of uh when we because we know we're kind of going back and forth about good shot bad shot i think i had game shot remember the one that he hit when he waved by to, to pg and um and russ and a lot of people were like uh, I'm pretty sure it was PG that was on that pre- on that press conference and was like that was a bad shot, like that was just a bad shot, like that was a step back from like half court almost. And then and a lot of people are like, well, what are you talking about? It's a bad shot, at Hayden. But like, I just kind I kind of think back to that, right? Because I, I agree, I agree with that. Like, that's not the most high percentage shot, but I mean, it went in, so it don't matter. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah I think.
0: It, oh,
2: go ahead, Jay Hill. Sorry.
1: No, I, I was just gonna add say this that you know, Gary, you talked about. You were talking about Philly and the Raptors in that series, and I I get that, but the fact is they had Joel Embiid, although it wasn't the same Joel uh, runner-up MVP caliber player it was. They had Ben Simmons. They had a lot more – Tobias Harris was on that squad as well. They had more weapons than this Miami Heat team who struggled this entire series to, to score. Um, And I think that game goes into overtime. And I think Jimmy Butler, who's played that entire game, is thinking, I don't know if we have the weapons. I don't know if he was thinking that in the moment, but that runs in the back of my mind. I think that game goes into overtime. Boston simply, like I said, the whole series has more weapons. And that goes down to the playmakers, shot makers they have. And I think Boston wins that game in overtime, to be honest, even with all that momentum.
2: Yeah, I think although like this the plays are similar in the sense where it's like it was a spur of the moment play like that play after the Kawhi free throw in 2019. It was a transition. It was basically a one on one. I can't remember who I think it might have been Ibaka with him or mm-hmm. something like that. It was like a one on one situation. And, you know, he attacked the basket and he scored. Obviously, he didn't want to foul him. So, mm-hmm. you know, he got to the basket and he, and he scored. And, and then this situation, it was kind of, you know, a one on one with him and Horford because, there, it was really a three on three, but I, I can't remember who was on each wing, um, but they weren't really like in the main part of the play. It was either Jimmy's going to pull it for a three or a mid range or he's going to go to the basket, maybe try and make a layup or draw a foul, something like that. Um, I think like to, you know, the Dame thing, it is, I think, a little different for the fact where it's like, first of all, if they miss, if he misses the shot, they still go to overtime. And they had a 15-point deficit at one point in the fourth quarter, and they came back from that. And then so they would still have momentum, which I think Miami, even if Jimmy took a layup or, like, a, drew a foul or something like that, they would have still had momentum in the overtime. And I think Boston would have been a little nervous on that last play before uh, in overtime. I don't know if they would have scored. And then the other thing is, um, you know, with that game, it's a it's a game five anyways. So, like, if they did lose – they still have another chance, and if they lost that, they still have another chance at home. So I don't know. I th- I think I don't know if I'd say the situations are quite the same, but I feel like in terms of that play, like just that play individually compared to his play in 2019, I feel like they are pretty similar. If that makes sense.
0: I, no, I feel you. I, I I feel you, man. Absolutely. I mean that that was. Uh, I mean. You could it's it, it go it goes both ways, man. You I know, mean, a lot of people could look at it as a bad shot. The, to as far as an you know, analytic wise, a lot of people could say, hey, he was just in the moment and felt it. But all all we know, man, is that now the heat are gone, man, and now they're gonna have to make some 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 huge offseason offseason switches and and you know we, we won't get into that because that's a whole nother topic in and of itself uh if they want to get back here but now we have you know the Celtics uh, moving on and they're gonna they're gonna you know go on to face face the Warriors and I mean overall for for, for this series I uh, um I'll just kind of give my last last final thoughts on this series before we move on to this um to this um to this Warriors versus Mavs series and overall i mean i think the heat just simply didn't have enough offense right um uh, we we kind of were saying this throughout the uh throughout the series and really throughout the playoffs they just didn't have enough offense to be able to keep up uh, with the Celtics there was several times throughout this series where celtics just went on like a 21 4 run or or even I think to, to to this game when I believe they started the game with a, on a, like a 15 and, and four run or and then this and then the heat went on their own run and then the Celtics ended up finishing off the half on a, I think another 15 and0 run so it's just the offense that the Celtics could put together I don't think the heat had anything for that and uh that's what I meant well well, me and Jay meant when we said the Heat didn't have a true playmaker to combat Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I mean we've seen them more experience and in my opinion the better team move on. Um and now to face to to face the worst. So do you guys got any final thoughts for this uh this uh Eastern Conference uh series? I mean, not
2: really. I will say um I feel like people are also going to equally slander. Obviously they're going to slander the supporting cast. That's what they always do. Um, But they're going to probably slander Kyle Lowry as well. And I think maybe it's getting to a point where we're starting to look at it and be like, you know what? Maybe he did catch a break that one year with Kawhi Leonard. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but um, he, he, again, tonight really wasn't that good. He was basically just running cardio in game five, but, I don't know. I think he made some questionable decisions, especially that take foul, like in the first three minutes of the game, that was a second foul. So I don't know.
0: I I hear you. I hear you. Jay, what's up?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, we won't get into the 2019 finals, but I think that I I will say that Raptors team was really well built. um, And they, you add into a player like Kawhi Leonard, Simply similar to like a team like Giannis, you know, the right pieces around him, you catch a few breaks, and that's what it takes to win an NBA championship. But Kyle Lowry was fortunate. Um, he is a champion, but I think throughout this series, he was, he, he played bad. He played really poor, extremely poor. They needed more for him um, to step up. Few, you know, we saw those two early fouls. Just, just inexcusable from a guy of his his caliber and his, his experience. But anyways, in, in terms of this series, I like I mentioned earlier, the Celtics could have closed this out um, in five games, maybe maybe even uh, swept. There's a lot of times where we saw their lack of focus and effort. On paper, I think the Celtics in these play left in these players out of those four arguably have the most talented roster. But we know talent doesn't win championships. Um, besides the fact that they have um, they they don't have really have a true point guard. They don't have a floor general, and I think that's why they struggle at times decision making. Although Marcus Smart has played better, we saw at the end of Game Six some questionable decisions to say the least. But but um, even in the past two series from from the Celtics' point of view, uh, those the, I think neither either one of those series should have gone seven. Um, with Milwaukee, I think they should have closed it out. There's Some similar lack of focus and effort Um, inconsistencies we saw from Celtics is the same thing that we saw in this series. And credit to the heat in this series, they were able to battle, bring this game to seven. They're outman and outmatched. But you think of a team like the Celtics, when is that going to catch up to them? Is it going to bite them, bite them in the ass um, in the next series? I don't know. We're going to have to find out. But they've caught a few lucky breaks here and there. Um, throughout this run to the title. So we'll see if it catches up to him against a better team in the Warriors.
2: Man. I will, uh, uh, Just to add one more thing about like Marcus Smart. I will say like I even said like, you know, he talked all that stuff about how, you know, after the Bucks series, he wanted to be the floor general on this team, but like they didn't really make him a point guard like that. But, you know, he was jacking up contested threes. He really wasn't playing like much of a point guard most of the game you know, flopping and allowing easy scoring opportunities, getting lazy foul calls. And it's like, I feel like there has to come to a point. I mean, parts of the game down the stretch, he looked like he just really didn't want to win. Like we didn't, he didn't go for that ball uh, that Jimmy Butler tipped off him. Or like when he tried stealing the ball from Grant Williams in the backcourt or something like that. So, and I think it ties back to like what Pat Bev said a few weeks ago on uh, ESPN. I don't know if you saw that, but like when he was talking about Chris Paul and he said, you know, coach the game, not the player. Right. Like we get a defensive player of the year this year, but like there's gotta come to a point where it's like we need you to be the point guard. Right. And like that you said that you could be all this time. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he would have showed face in Boston, to be honest, if they would have lost this game. So I guess he's got that to fall back on, but yeah.
0: Man, so 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 exactly. So now we see move on. Um so now we will move on to, to to the other series here, and that is uh, the Warriors versus the Mavs. I originally had uh, Warriors in five, which is what happened. Should have been should have been Warriors in four. They could have closed it out. Warriors in four. Jay, we talked about I- I- inconsistency and you no, know, not lack of focus. I think that's exactly what happened. when we saw from the Warriors. I think they were the better team from the Mavs. They could have put uh, they could they could have put the Mavs out in four. It would have been big. Um, but you know, Luca, Huka, had something to say about that, at least held him up one game. That's big for big for his dynasty, honestly, to not get swept for his legacy. Um, but yeah, exactly. So we have the Warriors versus Mavs, the Warriors um, move on to be, to go to the NBA finals. And uh, just like the other, se- just like the past series guys, I want to get your first, your initial thoughts. And then I would love to uh, hear about, you know, some impressive games, your favorite games, but uh, Garrett, again, we haven't got your thoughts on, on this on this series throughout the playoffs, how do you feel about this series, and what were some things that stood out to you?
2: Yeah, I think it was a little bit like reminiscent in a way to like LeBron versus the Warriors in past years, um, where it's like, you know, and it's not it's LeBron not to by itself. Like, well, I won't I won't say like in this situation they were by themselves. I mean, Jalen Brunson's a great player, Spencer Dinwiddie's a great player. I just think part of it is like maybe. Luca sometimes is being asked to do too much and sometimes he just maybe does more than he really should to the point where sometimes it could even hurt the team I think it was it might have been game two or game three I get he had like a 40 bomb but I personally think like when Spencer Dinwiddie was you know getting the ball and attacking downhill it was putting pressure on the Warriors a lot and I I don't know I think personally like he had a 40 percent usage rate in the series and I think he has like a higher usage rate than anyone in NBA history by like 4% or 5% or something like that. Um, You know, people always criticize guys like Harden and Westbrook when they would like demand the ball so much. And, you know, that stat was in particular that high, but you know, same thing for Luca here. And I, I give him credit, you know, he's still doing a lot of great things, but for, for me in this series, like, I don't know, it just didn't feel quite the same it didn't feel like he averaged 32 9 and 6 which again is this great stat line um and one could maybe argue he was the best player in the series but I mean again like you got to give credit to um the entire Warriors team I think like the way that they defended they put pressure on these other guys for the Mavericks like Maxi Kleber and Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith uh Bertans as well and like Frank Nielakina especially, and they, they didn't really execute the way they did in the past few series um, where they shot way better than normal uh, from three against – well, against the Suns, but I think they did it a whole other level against the Jazz than, than they did in the regular season. So you got to give the Warriors credit for that. Um, and, of course, you know, Clay Thompson had a crazy uh, game five, which is a little rare because it's like a game early. Um, and then, you know, Steph Curry obviously went the conference finals MVP. Um I want to. I want to hear though from uh, Jay Hill. What did you think about? Uh, like, do you think that is? Um, how, how would I say? It? Do you think that's a like valid award for Steph Curry, or do you think like he's got to go for the Finals MVP for it to like matter like that? What do you think?
1: <laughs> um, in terms of what, what? What's your what's your question though? Like well, in terms well, there, of
2: what? There's there's tons of people who are saying you know like obviously this conference finals MVP award's a joke and like mm-hmm. they just, you know how they just made it this year. And, you know, Steph Curry did win it. Do you think that, you know, like he, he's got to go for the real finals MVP right now? Um, uh, You know, like to shut the haters up and i I guess like, just kind of like, what do you, what do you think, I guess, from that?
1: To me, I mean, he's accomplished everything. I don't, I think, I think the finals MVP is a cherry, the cherry on top. I I personally think, he he should have already won it, but you can't, you should have, would have, could have, doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, I think he's a two-time MVP, three-time NBA champion, you know, multiple time accolades, accolades speak for themselves. I think he's not worrying about that. Um, If they do, I've said it all along before previously about if they're, they were to win this title, he's going to be huge part of it. He has to be the best player in this series. Um, in terms of what he does, even if he's not scoring other guys, the, the cre- space he creates just through his ball movement, unselfishness, he has to be the best player in the series. I believe he will. That's why, you know, you know, I think they're going to win, win, win the NBA championship. Um, but I just think that to answer your question, to me, he's a, he's he's already a top 10 player. So I don't I don't think that he needs the NBA. He needs the NBA finals MVP. Um, but if they win it, he's gonna win it. So um, Are you I hope about that all, answers your questions.
2: All time top ten player, all, you think?
1: All time, I think he's he's top ten in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Um, with with or without NBA Finals MVP?
2: Yeah, I think like I think the Finals MVP would be the cherry on top. Like personally for me, I don't like. I feel like the way I look at it is, you can give credit where it's due for the Conference Finals MVP only if you. Mm-hmm go back in history and you like, I guess, reward these other people. Like what about Charles Barkley who led his team to the finals or Allen Iverson or Reggie Miller? Like, you know what I mean? Like these guys that never won a ring or never won a finals MVP. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this would do something for their legacy as well. Um, but yeah, I think like in terms of for Steph, I think a finals MVP, um, you know, I think that would still do a lot for him. Cause then it comes to a point where it's like, what else does he need to do? I mean, outside maybe like defensive accolades, but I mean, like how many point guards have that other than like Chris Paul or
1: Marcus Smart, like Mark, Mark, Mark Marcus Smart. Smart,
2: Walt Frazier, some Jason K, like some some Gary of those Payton. guys, Gary Payton as well. So yeah, so like not See. a whole lot. Even guys like Magic or Oscar, um, of course Oscar played before then, but like Steve Nash, like they don't have that on their mm-hmm. resume either. So it's not like it's necessary. Uh, for a player at the point guard spot. But, yeah, like, I mean, you're looking at this Warriors team, like, you know, the the death lineup of Curry, Clay, um, Wiggins, Poole, and Draymond. I mean, it might be, like, the most lethal lineup uh, in the entire NBA, potentially. Um, And then, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they match up with Boston. Um, Not sure if, like, Boston might try to go big on them um maybe play Daniel Tice a little bit more because he kind of fell out of the rotation after um like game four I think um but I don't know I think that we'll see too like you said about not well you mentioned Gary Payton the first but Gary Payton the second like they say he might return this series like potentially so I don't know we might see like a kind of different Warriors this series um than we've seen probably like the past few um but and wh- whether that's even better or the same or worse, like remains to be seen. But it, it should be interesting, I think.
0: It, it definitely yeah. will be interesting. And just to ju- uh, just to pitch in on that on on that on that question, Garrett, I think Curry's definitely solidified. Like we we, we know who we know who Stephen Curry is. Changed the game. Has a gra- has a crazy brand. But, and and I think it should be, it definitely should be validated and people should be like, yes, that like respect for a conference finals MVP. But I just think that like 30 years or 20 years down the line, like, I don't think that who all these players moving forward to get conference finals MVPs. Like, I don't think those should be like, Oh, like, wow, he, look, he got a conference final MVP. That's why Facts. he's better than this player who did this, 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 and mm-hmm. that. Right. Like, but, I but, but, but I think it still should be credited like to get to the conference finals is to get to the finals is insane. So like all the credit of the world goes to Curry, all the credit of the world goes to Tatum. But I'm just saying like, I just don't like ears down the line. I don't think it should be something that's like, Oh, wow. Okay. He got a conference final MVP. You're right. He's better than my player. Player. you know like that's yes. that, that that's what i think about it
2: well well in like 20 years we might have like a play-in tournament <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: there's some,
2: something like that a day, you know but yeah i mean I, I i get where you guys are coming from i think definitely like he's one of the greatest players ever definitely like a, one of the top point guards ever um with or without it um I, I just think like the game like it's definitely transitioning more analytical and even in my most recent video where i I debated a Nuggets fan about like why I thought MB deserved MVP. He said why Jokic did. And a lot of his arguments, you know, kind of were based around stats and, you know, you know, obviously like I feel like as time goes on, people are going to look more at the stats or the accolades or the achievements more so maybe than, um, you know, the film. Cause like these games that we're watching right now, like not all of them are going to be available to watch like whenever in like 20, 30 years. I mean, we, we know that, right maybe, like, the highlights of them and, like, kind of the shortened version of the games, but we're not going to be able to see, like, the full display. Um, and games from, like, the 60s or 70s, like, obviously, some of them we can't at all. So I feel like that's why, like, when when we're comparing, like, whoever the next great point guard or whatever is um, in, like, 20, 30 years, and it's like, was he better than Steph Curry or something like that? Like, I feel like they're gonna be more Apt to use the accolades and stats, whether that's right or wrong. Like, I mean, I personally think that's kind of skewed, but I just I have a feeling that's what people are going um, to use as well. So, I think yeah, like a Finals MVP will come over the top. It doesn't do anything like to determine if he's like a Hall of Famer or legendary or anything because he already is. But that, that's how I see it.
0: Yeah, I think it would just be for the for the for, for the people that's just really really hating on him because the true true, true hoop heads no he's he's already solidified but um but so guys let's let, let's get to the series then because i because i got some questions that i also want to talk to you guys in the series and i know last time i started with who had the most impressive but we're gonna flip it i'm gonna ask who had the most important performance in this entire series and again i don't know if you guys need some time to formulate your answers uh i, I jay, jay if you on youtube jay just gave a quick grin he already know but I'm, I'm gonna give mine real quick just because i love giving so much shine and credit to this guy andrew wiggins game three i think that the mavs could have easily won that game and this series would be totally different but andrew wiggins had an unexpected 27 points and 11 rebounds and me and jay when we talk about when, when we talk about um when we talk about and we talk about andrew wiggins and when he performs at that level the warriors are genuinely at uh or on a whole nother level they they might really have four all-stars out there when he performs at that level um so i think he's he's a huge difference maker and again really swung this series because if the mavs end up winning that game three the series is, is is looking different and maybe the warriors don't have as much time as they have to uh to get ready for the for the celtics but jay i'm on a hunch that you got yours ready already.
1: <laughs> Draft day. Hey, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I I can't really you know pick out one game. I mean, Jay absolutely game three, but I just think this whole series, Andrew Williams, just just I mean, this whole playoff run, honestly, for, for the Warriors, he's come out big. Just been playing absolutely, like you said, um, the shots he's taking, the shots he's making. Um, his 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 aggression getting getting down, getting down in, in the lane, uh, making plays that way, his his rebounding has been just so vital. And then obviously, obviously, his his defensive presence, you're never going to slow down a guy like Luca. But as great as Luca did, his numbers looked, you know, numbers, you know, you, they, you can always uh, skew them to fit a certain narrative. But I just think Wiggins made it so tough on him. Um, throughout the series, you know, picking him up, whether it was picking up him up the full court at at some possessions, um, even when they went to zones, it was it was being in him, uh, making his passes. You know, Luca's going to get his passes off, similar to a guy like LeBron. They're going to make plays for for other guys, but if you can slow them down, make their job, their reads a little harder and tougher. I felt like at times, Luca, you could see on his on his face and the way he was playing, he was thinking a lot. That's not how Luca plays. He's playing that loosey goosey, um, European style of play, like that he's known he's played his whole life, making reads, just impressive read after read controlling the game. And I felt like Wiggins was kind of taking him, taking him out of his game at times. Like I said, you're not going to slow down a superstar like Luca, but you can make his life a lot harder. And that's what Wiggins did. And that was a key to this series because as, as, as tough as Dallas was, um, Sorry, as, as as quick as the series ended, I think Dallas um, is is a good team. Like they they, I don't know if they're a better team than the Suns, but they were able to get it done because Luca was able to control the pace of that series um, towards the end specifically, and he wasn't able to do that it, um, against Wiggins in this Warriors defense. So, and a lot of it was due to another guy too, Kevon Looney, who switched out onto him. He can't mention enough. He's like the honorable mention, but Wiggins, uh, it has to be the most important performance throughout the series,
2: yeah. I think, um, yeah, I wonder if you would ask Luca again the question about you know defenses in the NBA as opposed to overseas if he would have replied <laughs> the same way. after <laughs> the Warriors. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I do, um, yeah, of course, yeah, of
1: course, yeah. So, so
2: I mean, personally, for me, I got to give it like, I guess, my you know, I guess best performance in terms of like surprise uh, probably would have to be Kevon Looney. I mean, the guy in their wins was averaging like 12 rebounds a game. He was dominating the glass. And really, that's one of the biggest aspects that the Mavericks struggled in. Actually, it was the Warriors biggest Achilles heel against Memphis. Right. And that was even like without Steven Adams, a few games like that was going to be probably the only way Memphis would be able to overcome, you know, like when John missed a few games and stuff like that too. But, you know, Kevon Looney, like he basically dominated the glass, uh, you know, the entire series and, you know, was really effective inside and maybe it could, I mean, obviously this season, you know, winning a championship is the end end all be all. So of course, you know, winning a championship would still be great for everyone. But in terms of like long-term, this could bite him in the butt because I believe Kevon Looney's a free agent. And I feel like now teams are looking like, they're looking at that 22-rebound game and the closeout against Memphis, the 18-rebound game, and the closeout against Dallas. And everything, and I'm like, you know what? Like, We could use a guy like Kevon Looney or throw a lot of money his way. Um, but I don't know. And it it, it, it does uh, – it is a little unfortunate I have to give Kevon Looney this credit because I've, I've held a grudge against him for six, seven years. Um, ever since a little story, I played the gauntlet mode in NBA 2K16. This guy used – a 69 overall Kavon Looney and made five threes with him, and beat me. So, ever since then, I've always I've always disliked Kavon Looney, but I got I got to give him credit here. I don't know, like this.
1: That's crazy. Kavon Looney's it, like the most likable guy in the NBA. Like, I mean, I, I, I didn't like I him for that.
2: He he did yeah. me dirty. Five threes he made, and he was a 69
0: overall. I hear you. Sometimes the the, the, the video games <laughs> yeah, do funny. you yeah. the video games do you so dirty you just gotta you just <laughs> gotta move on. I'm I'm done with this player. I, I I totally hear you, man. Um and and I mean look look guys. Uh, I I, I think I'm right Garrett. I'm right there with you. I think avon Looney was huge. Um, I think he was huge on that and that closeout series in in Memphis and was uh not gonna say the. I'm not going to say the sole reason the, the Warriors won that game, but a very big reason because that was one thing the Warriors were struggling with was rebounding. And then he's just been, he's, he, he's been huge in, um, in, in this series. But what I, what I want to get is, and yes, I think that Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, you know, m- most important. Um, but what I, what I want to ask you guys is who, who, who takes the blame for this loss um, for on, from the Mavs side of things, because I, I mean, you can't I do can you really blame Luca I know he didn't have the greatest last game but if, if Luca wasn't there the series would have been over in one game right like I don't know how it would even want to happen but somehow without Luca it, it, it would have happened so who 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 do you look to blame? Because me, on my perspective, I'm going straight to Spencer Dinwiddie, and I said this. Um, I, I said this when we when we did the collab with uh with Big Shot Pod, who who who's a big uh big Mavericks fan. He he was talking about his X factors, and my X factor had to be Spencer Dinwiddie because when he plays well the mavs have that third that third star or that third uh, i'm not saying spencer dinwiddie is an all-star but when he, he he can play to an all-star level and when he plays there and, and jalen brunson's giving you 20 plus lucas doing what he do you know probably a, almost a double double nightly and then you got you you got players like uh like spencer dinwiddie stretching the floor knocking down shots being aggressive And then uh, Reggie Bullock and all these Maxi Kleba just knocking down shots. I think that's I think that's a big X factor. And he really only showed up two games. So to me, Spencer doing with to you guys, who do you blame for this Mavericks loss? I mean, I don't
2: I don't know if I'd like I don't know if I'd really blame anyone like totally because like for me, it felt like like just like the other series where I felt like it was Celtics first themselves, where it's like they have control if they want this series or not. Like, and they ended up taking it at the end, barely. Um, But I felt like this series, like, it was Warriors versus, you know, themselves. Like, they were just going to decide, like, okay, we have control over this series. We're the better team. And, you know, they showed up and they finished it in five. I don't think, like, the Mavericks, the Mavericks weren't supposed to be here. Okay, it was supposed to be the Suns. And ultimately, that was another series where it was, like, the Suns versus themselves. They didn't want it. And the Mavericks ended up, you know, embarrassing them on their home court. But... I I don't know. I feel like Spencer Dinwiddie was pretty good most. I mean, all the games they lost, except I think like game two, uh, I think it was pretty good. He was really good at attacking the basket, I thought, like in game three and five, especially. Um, And that was kind of like the best thing that they had going because the Warriors really couldn't do much there. Like they were kind of like, I guess, protecting the perimeter per se. Um, And that's why guys like Kleber and Finney Smith and Bullock were missing. Um, But I don't know if like you can't really blame... Them either. I mean, like, they're not expected to be stars. Like, maybe you could blame Jalen Brunson, but even then, like, he doesn't really have that stature either. Like, he kind of was just playing insane in the postseason most of the time. And, you know, it took fall to averaging almost 20 points a game in this series, too. It's like, I mean, that's still pretty good production, like, for his standards. um I'm sure, like, the blame is going to go kind of just about everyone, even some blame to Jason Kidd, even some blame to Luca. Um, because like we said, like, he looked like he was overthinking things, but I don't know if it's like really a series where it's like, oh man, like we had this and like, you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like the blame runs uh, low, I guess, like to bring back like the the last time that LeBron played the Warriors. Like, I mean, yeah, you could blame like the other guys in that series, but realistically
0: I don't think anyone
2: thought the Cavs were going to win that series. Right. So like maybe they could have won game one, like if Jr. Smith was a little smarter, but yeah, like that I, I just I just don't think that the Mavericks really um had it all. We'd be talking about blame if the Mavericks did win this series, I think. Um and like what were wrong for the Warriors, but it just didn't. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it, you you look at this this series, you know, from early on. Um and a lot of it I think it it came down to, to game. Um, too when when the Warriors they Dallas had the Warriors on the ropes um, there in that the beginning of that third quarter the Warriors go on that huge run similar to you just talked about Garrett um, LeBron had what 47 for, for yeah, historic game one and I remember that look on LeBron's face because you know <laughs> J.R. Smith he put in all that work a historic performance and to lose that game that was almost the series similar to, to game two in this 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 series. If Dallas wins that, you go back home one one, and who knows? We could Dallas wins that series. I don't know. Dallas splits at home. It's two going back two two. They have home court advantage, so a lot could have gone wrong. But yeah, it's tough to blame one specific player in this series because like you you said Garrett the role players you can't expect anything from Spencer didn't we a role player he had a good game five Um, role players are going to have sporadic games including Jalen Brunson who had a great run um, and who's going to get a bag in the offseason but you still can't expect that from him but I look at a little a little 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 blame on Luca maybe a lot because as much as he does offensively and the effort he puts on there. And I can't blame him because you can't, it's hard to do to, to give a lot of energy and effort on the defensive end when you your teammates aren't helping you up. But there's a lot of times when Luca will complain about a foul call on one end, not jog back, and you're you have a five on four, maybe a, a four on two, depending on the numbers you got in transition. They're getting easy buckets that way. So a little blame on Luca because if he doesn't, if he's not able to, and I mentioned this when I had Lance on, um, John, um, to him, if he's not able to be a comparable, like a decent defender, not even a world-class, like, I don't know if he'll ever be a great defender or a good defender, but if he's an okay defender, a guy that players can't pick on on the defensive end, and he doesn't give that energy and effort, similar to a guy like Stephen Curry, he's not a great defender, but he's became just a good enough defender where guys can't consistently pick on him time after time. Um, Luca will never be, uh, his teams won't be able to win, um, so a little bit of blame maybe to Luca because if that's that's the only option you got right, he's a superstar. You gotta exp- give superstar effort not only on the offensive end but on the defensive end if your team is gonna be a championship contender, um, which Luca aspires to be. So that would be the only blame I could have.
0: Man, Jay, and and I'm 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 not gonna lie. I definitely um, I, I I don't agree with the point with the point of view saying, but let's put the, a little bit of blame on Luca. But the defense needs to get better. It's honestly just annoying to see. Like it's annoying to see him complaining, not getting back on the, on on the other end. And also, I think I uh uh uh, J, uh J, um Richard Jefferson talked about this when he was talking about uh, Luca's defense. He says Luca just needs to play like. Four or five seconds of defense until the help comes. So you know, I kind of when what you were talking to Jay just kind of it, it reminds me. It reminds me of the you know Richard Jefferson said he just needs to play a little bit of defense until that help comes. Um, but just real quick to your guys's to, to your guys's point about uh, you know the the role player and and you know I agree we can't I can't expect Spencer Dinwiddie to you know, to, 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 be the, to be the, the difference maker. And that should be something that falls on Luca. But what I just, what I just more meant to is like, you know, Jay, you talk about that pivotal game too, which uh, which the Warriors came back from. And I totally agree. Once they came back from that 19 point deficit, it was over. Like it was, it was really over, but in that game too, where the Mavs lost one seventeen to tw- to one twenty six, Spencer, Spencer did, win- Spencer did win- he only had four points, Di- um, uh, Jalen Brunson had, had uh, 20, 25 plus, Luca had thirty plus. Um, Bullock had uh, Bullock had fifteen plus. Spencer Dewey can't have four points. That if he if he has a fifteen point game, that the Mavs win that different series. So what I mean from that is I just think Spencer Dewey needs more of uh, m- more of an aggressive uh, performance, and he can, just can't be having four five point games. And this isn't the only single digit game he had in in this series, and it's not just in this series. In this playoffs, did the same thing in prior series.
1: But but at the same time, that is a that is a you know, it's a role player on the road. You can't expect that. And, and you and, and to your point, you mentioned a lot of guys who gave a lot of help to Luka. So, I mean, those you, can, you like on the road, you you want that like to for Spencer Dinwiddie, a role player like he, he is a role player, a great role player at that. You can't really expect that if you get guys like Reggie Bullock, um, Jalen Brunson, I believe Dorian Finney Smith um it was attacking the rim a little better there and then they had some guys um uh step up in that sense so i think spencer spencer dinwiddie to put blame is a little i i don't think you can do that for for a role player and a player of his caliber if anything it's it's luca and his defensive effort at times but i i think it's hard to give anyone on this maverick team blame um as a whole throughout this series they were just outmatched at the end of the day
0: you know what you guys are right. You guys are right. There's, we can't sit here and blame one person on the map fully. Um, you know, it, 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 at the end of the day, they 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 lost to the team that was better than them, was more experienced, and um, just like how we said with that uh, Heat and Celtics series, um, the better team moved on, and now they're um, the Warriors are ready to face the Celtics in the NBA championship. Um, and we will, and we, and we will have an episode dedicated just for our NBA finals prediction. So make sure all the fans and make sure you guys stay tuned, um, cause we got that coming up, but before you guys leave, I got to, okay. I, I heard this topic flying around the NBA world and I just, I just had to talk to you guys about it. So I just kind of wanted to, want to hear your thoughts. Um, I don't, I don't really have this, um, set in any way, so I'm just going to say it here. Um, so if the Warriors go go on to win the NBA championship does it hurt Kevin Durant's legacy um personally for me I don't
2: know I feel like I would I would need time for it to like actually sit because I feel like for me personally like in the moment of when the Nets actually lost I was like this is going to be huge like largely degrading to Kevin Durant's legacy. I think now I've kind of like eased up a little bit and realized like the Nets simply as an all-around team weren't able to probably beat the Celtics. Yes, Kevin Durant wasn't great, but I just don't know if like they necessarily had the pieces to beat them. Maybe like to avoid a sweep. Yeah, like they could have done that, but I just don't know if like maybe they were the better team or something, something of that nature. I think like looking at the situations Kevin Durant's been in, like, outside of the Warriors, a lot of them haven't been, you know, great, obviously, like, his management hasn't been the greatest, even in OKC, from dating back to the days they let go of James Harden, Um, you know, like, obviously the whole Brooklyn Nets situation seemed like he was the only part of the big three that was kind of bought in all year long, so it's kind of unfortunate um, for him, and you can't really fault the guy for, I mean, what did they say like, when he won with the Warriors, like, oh, your rings don't count, or, oh, it was, like, bought, even though, like, He was arguably the best player on the team when they did win, um, you know, multiple time finals MVP. I know Jay Hill probably um, thinks Curry deserved one of those or something like that. But my my point is that, like, I mean, this guy, he's shown up in the past several times uh, in the playoffs. I think that the Celtics just had a perfect game plan for them. And that's something people don't realize enough is that matchups are important. Um, You know, just because you beat one team 4-0 doesn't mean like you can beat the next, like you might get swept by the next team or something like that um so i don't know i think personally for me like yes it would sting to see like the warriors win again like for kevin durant like it's like man i left that situation um and they really added a few players that made their team all around better but none of them are named kevin durant none of them play as good as kevin durant and like that's that's probably the thing that would hurt him the most but i think like from a respect standpoint it's kind of unfortunate like, People don't respect Durant the same way. Because, like, I mean, when LeBron left Miami, I think more people were starting to come around to like respecting him. I mean, Kevin Durant left what was probably an even more overpowered situation to try and build his own. But it seems like a lot of people really haven't given him uh, that same level of respect. So I think it would, I don't know if it would hurt Durant's legacy. I'm not, I don't know how much I buy into that unless a guy just hasn't accomplished like anything like winning a championship. Um, but I think it would, I mean, it would probably do a lot for the like Steph Curry's legacy. Um, and in terms of like those two, I mean, those are the two that were seen as like kind of the, you know, some people say Durant or Curry was the second best star of the 2010s, uh, behind LeBron. Like maybe it'll make people think like, you know what, like was Durant like that? Or maybe it was, was it all, all along? Like it was really like just Curry, um, you know, something like that, but. I guess that's how I see it personally.
0: Okay, okay, perfect. And then that honestly transitions perfectly to my next question and Garrett, you said it best. You said if anything it's going to it's going to boost Stephen Curry's legacy and we know who is who is a Stephen Curry lover around here. Our guy Jay Hill, Jay. Now I, you can answer that question, but I have a different question just for you, Jay. If the Warriors win a championship, does this does curry passed kevin durant in the all-time list
1: yeah i mean i i, I already i already think he's passed him oh. but i will say i will say this and, and to answer your question john to answer that i i think it's more so how garrett i, I loved how I, I thought you were going towards that when you're answering the question i thought you were getting towards what the end and i think that perfectly alludes to it the fact that It speaks to the greatness more so of the Warriors rather than the legacy of KD. KD is who he is. Like He's a a two-time finals MVP, uh, a great, an all-time great, top 15, top 10, however you want to put it. He has a legacy of his own. I don't think the Warriors winning a championship has anything effect on it. Will it sting him? Yes, absolutely. Um, But I think all the way back to that trade that KD ultimately – knew he was wanted to go he wanted to set a legacy up for up for himself but he said he signed with the warriors um and with a, with a sign and trade to brooklyn which brought in D'Lo, which ultimately ended up turning to wigan so that in itself is a legacy move because he set this franchise up for for success after he left the end of the day because it brought in andrew wiggins who is a huge part and will be a huge part of the able the warriors are um able to pull out this championship but i think it speaks more to the greatness of this dynasty that everyone had counted out um without without kevin durant thought this dynasty was over um and it's clearly not because they're here sitting in six of eight um six of eight titles and if they go on to win it, i think it speaks more so to the greatness of this Warriors team and this run that they're on, rather than the legacy uh, um, and effect that it has on on KD. Yeah, man, I,
0: think, oh, I don't even. Ahead, need, sorry, no, I was just gonna say I don't even I don't even need to say anything because I was getting ready for one of you guys to say yes, it messes up uh, it messes up KD's legacy. And and I mean, I think it messes up a little bit only because I I, I you know if, if Jordan if that year that Jordan went away to play uh, baseball if the Bulls won a championship I don't think you know I, people would be like wow Michael Jordan was so important if when the LeBron left the, left the Cavs the Cavs didn't go and become the worst team in the league I don't think people would be like wow look how important look how important LeBron is but again I I think like how you guys said you guys summed it up perfectly more than anything because I mean I, and I I know it, it could be you know disrespectful to, for a Warriors fan to hear that like wow like you know KD was because a lot of people a lot of things a lot of people around the league were saying that the that that championship you know KD got the Warriors uh, got the Warriors over that hump and I think that that was the, if the Warriors win this what not even if they don't don't even win just for them to get here I think it uh was for all those people that said you know that KD was the reason that um W- w- reason reason it won I think it's just gonna boost a boost Stephen Curry's uh legacy man and although um I personally don't have Curry on uh, over Kevin Durant I think that if he wins this I think this is big and then um also I just think this is gonna go down as one of the worst as far as just like sports wise as far as like just doing sports business, one of the worst moves, man. Like where by KD, like by KD. I think um, people can people can put whatever story they want in their mind. I think the reason Kevin Durant left is because Draymond Green yelled at him that day called him some names that are just way too much and for it to even call another man and told him, we, we, we don't need you. We had a championship before you and we, 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 didn't need you. We, we, we know you're one foot in one foot out. And I think that ultimately is what KD left that stinger in him and went to, went to Brooklyn and ultimately was a terrible move because he could have been on this Warriors team and they could have had like another, like four or five championships. And w- w- where would have KD been in the all time debate? Like, years down the line if you just see him with all of these championships. So, man, um, just a bad move by KD In the end of the day.
2: I think, like, also to add to it is, um, you know, like, yes, Kevin, it, it was a legacy-defining move, and I actually wasn't even really thinking about how essentially Kevin Durant did set him up with d which set him up for Wiggins. Uh, so that was a good point there by uh, J. Hill. But I think, like, also, like, you got to look at the situations that Durant has been in, and I feel like – in terms of compared to Curry, you ask me, I feel like maybe maybe other than like Tim Duncan, most of the stars in recent history, like superstars, probably haven't had as fortunate of a situation as uh, Steph Curry, you know, where he's had that consistency with his big three around him, um, Iguadala as well, a coach and Steve Kerr that has like the perfect system for him. And you look at like some of the coaches Durant's had, I mean, he's had like PJ Carlissimo, never got out of the first round. He had Scott Brooks. Who you know has been fired multiple times since. Uh, he's had Billy Donovan, who, as a Bulls fan, I I know I know a lot about Billy Donovan. I am not I'm not pleased about Billy Donovan, so I'll just say that. And then obviously Steve Nash, who had never been a head coach before, right? And you look at like you know this situation where you know guys like Bob Myers and Joe Lacob have kind of put together like the perfect scenario um, around the Warriors. So. I mean, before the season, I had, I had Kevin Durant ranked better on my all-time list than Steph Curry. Um, will it, like, make Curry jump him, in my opinion? I'm not too sure about that. I think a lot of people forget that in the first five years that Durant was, like, an all-star, he was also top two in MVP four of those years, one MVP one of those years, and he was top five in the other one. And he was all-NBA first team all those years, scoring champion four of those times. Like, that's a whole part of his career that people want to leave out. And Steph Curry, who's older than Durant, was not nearly on that level at that point, right? So I, I feel like that definitely does matter. I mean, he made an NBA Finals at that point as well, like Kevin Durant did. And this is before Curry had made the playoffs. So I think all that comes into, you know, factoring in, yes, championships at the end of the day are weighted probably on a different level than most of those things. But I feel like it's just like kind of a part that, you know, I feel like everything pre-2016 for Kevin Durant is starting to get like really underrated. And, you know, again, the situations, I feel like that would definitely be more in favor of, um you know, Steph Curry. I mean, they very well could have made a bold prediction, a bold move and traded Steph Curry and kept Monte Ellis in like 2011, 2012. Then where would that team be? Where would the Bucks be? Right. So, I mean, you, you can look at all that, but they kept Curry. They put the perfect team around him. And I feel like with Kevin Durant, I mean, we hear all the noise right now about, like, Russell Westbrook. I'm sure you hear it too, John. I mean, you're a, you're a Laker fan. All the so, time. So I, I don't know. I think that, like, if Kevin Durant got a situation like that around him, the system that perfectly fits him, um, and probably the best, the best fit that you could find would be in Golden State, right? I feel like it would be a similar situation to that. But people were saying, like, this is Curry's town. You know, like, you kind of came onto our team. Um, but yeah and i mean of course like i think in the 2019 finals kind of showed that he definitely does did serve some value for that team because uh they were without him and they didn't win the championship so i don't know i think like if if kevin durant had his own situation similar to the golden state warriors in terms of like play style and you know built around him to be the main guy but it wasn't like you know you're oh riding the coattails of curry clay draymond and the warriors then maybe we'd have a different discussion but yeah
0: Man, man. Well, all all right. Well, I, I just, I definitely just wanted to hear your guys' perspective on that. You know, Jay's Garrett. So um, man, I mean, it is, this is crazy. It's just, it's just crazy to see guys. Uh, I mean, play uh, uh, this NBA playoffs has been just extremely unpredictable, man. We have players like Kevin Durant getting swept, getting being the only team. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, great players being the only team to get swept, man. And then, hey, unless
2: there's a sweep in the finals, but. Uh, hey, uh, hey,
0: unless there's a sweep in the finals, <laughs> but, yeah. but I mean, let's see, man, but. All right, I think this is a good place for us to go ahead and and, uh, and wrap it up here, man. I mean, we 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 talked we touched on uh, both the the eastern the eastern conference finals matchup, both in the west and in the east. Uh, my guy Garrett, man, we really appreciate you coming on Super Mario Hoops twenty four uh, for everybody that's, for all the family that's at home listening. If you guys want to check out all of Garrett's work, I'm gonna link everything, his social media, his YouTube, everything in the description down below. So make sure you check my guy Garrett out. Always dropping fire videos so make sure you check it out but Garrett, do you got any last words to say before we sign off here no nah, man i mean
2: as always thank you guys for uh having me on it was fun you know i'm always down to be on uh i'm gonna have to you know we're gonna have to do something maybe for my channel pretty soon too so um yeah i mean that's pretty much it I, I, thanks for the invite uh and yeah we had some
1: crazy games and now it's just the nba finals is left
0: yes sir jay my brother what's up man
1: Garrett. Appreciate you coming on as as always, my guy. And uh, yeah, if for all those of of our listeners, um, family, check out Garrett's stuff. He has some great content. Always got always got the drop down. Um, He's talking whether it be historic information you need, um, current stuff. He's your your go to guy. So check him out. And man, excited for for these finals. Not only Warriors are back, but I just think it's gonna be a great finals. Two. Two similar teams, but two very different teams, and I think you know styles makes fights, and I think this is gonna be a great fight. Um, so, so I'm 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 really looking forward to to this uh, to Thursday night, man, because it's gonna be a battle of uh two two great teams. So
0: see yes. That. Yes, sir, man. Yes, sir. So as always, family, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. It's at Clutch Talk Pod. If you're on YouTube, it'll be right here and in the description down below. Get at us, man. And that's it. We out here, y'all. Clutch Talk out. Peace.